MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, June 24th, 2021. Today, we get the first two guilty pleas in the insurrection investigation. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin embarrass Matt Gates on the Hill. Joe Manchin is open to Biden's human infrastructure elements and rolling back some of Trump's tax cuts to pay for it. And the NFL matches Raiders player Carl Nassib's $100,000 donation to the Trevor Project. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello. Happy Thursday, Friday. Excuse me. Thursday. Happy. <laughs> Do you see people? Do you understand? I, and there's sometimes I feel like I know when day it is and then Allison says hi to me and I'm like, well, fuck all. I don't know what time. I don't know. We know the date. <sighs> yes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. Hi. Oh, so much news. So many news. Um, much, much pleading. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm trying to do the Doge meme and I can't. There's just a lot going on today. We have a we have a big show. We have a lot of headlines. Big lead story today. Later in the podcast, I'm going to be talking to Steve Pearson with a swing left podcast called How We Win. And we have a big announcement. So you'll want to stick around for that. I'm off next week. We're off next week, but we will be putting out content. I have spent the last month doing extra interviews and um, putting together all sorts of uh, new content for you. And so uh, you will you will still have shows next week, but I'll be on vacation on a beach somewhere holding a margarita and I will send photos. And I will be wishing I'm on vacation on a beach somewhere holding a margarita. I will be in a car taking a road trip. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Yay. Sort of against my will, but not really against Mm. my will, but sort Mm. of against my will. Just Godspeed, everyone. Godspeed. (laughs) Uh, I was supposed to hear personal news. I was supposed to hear from the VA about a decision of the brief that I filed for my wrongful termination, discrimination and retaliation, you know, from when the former guy and his crew investigated my podcast and moved my job across country and made me Mm -hmm. not work for the government anymore. But they're late. I haven't heard anything. So I will keep you posted if I do. And I want to thank everyone who helped chip in a buck or two or whatever to help me file that brief. It was expensive AF. But we got it done and it was a good brief and apparently it was so good. They're still reading it. Anyway, we, we, we have a lot of news. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, everybody, the lead story today. An Indiana woman on Wednesday became the first defendant to be sentenced in the January 6th insurrection at the United States Capitol. And she avoided time behind bars. As as I've said, this is I've said this. This is going to happen. So don't be mad. But a member of the Oath Keepers also pled guilty in a conspiracy case and agreed to cooperate with prosecutors, which is a major step forward for the massive investigation. The two developments signal that the cases against those charged in the deadly siege are slowly advancing, even as the U.S. Department of Justice and the courthouses in Washington, D.C. struggle under the weight of roughly 500 to 600 federal arrests across the United States. And it comes as Republicans in Washington attempt to downplay the violence committed by members of the mob supporting the former guy. Graydon Young, who was accused alongside 15 other members and associates of the Oath Keepers of conspiring to block the congressional certification of Biden's victory, uh, he pled guilty to two counts, conspiracy and obstruction of an official proceeding. 
It was the first guilty plea in the major conspiracy case uh, brought against members of that group. The second charge calls for up to 20 years in prison. But U.S. District Judge uh, Amit Mehta said federal sentencing guidelines call for Young to serve between five and a quarter years and six and a half years behind bars. Because, and we've talked about this so many times, it's whether you have a criminal past, if it's aggravating factors, et cetera. But five and a quarter to six and a half years is a long time uh, for, for something like this. Remember, George Papadopoulos, traitor of all the stupid faces, and I hate him. Uh, he only got like, what, two weeks? So, I mean, I'm pretty good with this. Prosecutors may seek even less time, though, in exchange for his cooperation against other defendants. And we don't know which defendants. They seem to have the cases wrapped up pretty good on the other Oath Keepers. Uh, so, you know, we don't know if he's going to cooperate against some higher ups, members of Congress, Stone, Alex Jones, Trump himself. Who knows? Uh, but this guy, Young, who's 55, who lives in Englewood, Florida, was arrested in February and charged in the sweeping conspiracy case that accused members of the Oath Keepers of coming to Washington prepared to use violence intent on stopping the certification of the vote. Authorities said in a court document that Young joined the Florida chapter of the Oath Keepers in December writing that he was looking to get involved in helping. He's a helper. That's all. He's just a helper. Yeah, just a helper. He's a very concerned tourist. Yeah. Look for the helpers. Then whenever, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers said that, they just should go right to the video of the insurrection. Later that month, Young reached out to a company that does firearms and combat training about a rifle class for four people. Authorities say Young wearing a helmet and a tactical vest was part of that military style stack seen on camera marching through the crowd before entering the Capitol building. I pointed that out while it was happening. Those are ex-military people. Look at that. That's a stack that with the arms on the shoulders. That's a mm-hmm. people were like, no, that's not that. That's not what that is. You don't know what you're that's talking about. That's a Congo about. line. Tourists love to do Congo lines. They do a very festive, very festive tourism thing. Right. Maybe they limbo. Who knows? Anna Morgan Lloyd is the Indiana woman. She's 49. She was ordered by a federal judge to serve three years of probation, perform 120 hours of community service. I, I, I wish it was wiping poop off walls and uh, pay a five hundred dollar restitution after admitting to unlawfully entering the Capitol. She pled guilty to a single misdemeanor charge under a deal she made with prosecutors after the riot. Lloyd described January 6th on Facebook as the best day ever. Hey. On Wednesday, she apologized to the court, her family and the American people, saying she went to Washington that day to peacefully show her support for Trump. She says, quote, I'm ashamed that it became a savage display of violence that day. And I would this just sounds like somebody who got caught to me. Yeah. And I would have never been there if I had a clue it was going to turn out that way. She said it was never in my intent to be part of anything that's so disgraceful to our American people. Hmm. In seeking probation for Lloyd, prosecutors noted she was not involved in any violence or destruction or pre-planning or coordination. Lloyd was invited by her hairdresser to drive to D.C. to hear Trump speak, according to her attorney. District Judge Royce Lamberth said he was giving her a break and didn't want others to think that probation and not a stiffer sentence would be the norm going forward. Quote, legally, I could give you six months. But is that really what we want our judiciary to do? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> but that does bring up a good point. Though the docket is packed and we may see a lot of probation recommendations for nonviolent offenders, the sentence is up to the judge. Always. 
The other thing is, is and just a curious thing, I'm sure that probation has something to do with like social media posts. And, you know, are you allowed to post things that also would instigate an interaction? Mm-hmm. And I think most of these people who were like, I had no idea it was going to get violent mm-hmm. are probably the kinds that would re-offend. You know what I mean? On social media and break their, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Like I, I could just envision a, a, a Facebook, like an Instagram post of her, like with her, like holding up a teddy bear with a American flag vest on, you know, right. saying, Hey, haha, I totally tricked him. I got off. I only have to do community service. Mm-hmm. Bye. You know, totally. Like I broke into the Capitol and all I got was probation. Like just Dude. a shirt that says that. <laughs> okay. Another story moving on mansion, ah, bless his heart, says he's open to investing in President Joe Biden's human infrastructure proposals and unwinding some of the Republican tax cuts of 2017, although he said the size and scope have yet to be determined. This is a quote. Yes, there's always a caveat. I've come to the knowledge, basically, that budget reconciliation is for reconciling budgets. So it's a money matters. Manchin told NBC News calling for bolstering human infrastructure, Biden's term for investments in child care, community college and paid leave and raising tax revenues to fund them. Quote, Republicans have drawn a line in the sand on not changing anything. And I thought the 2017 tax bill was a very unfair bill and waited um, to a side that basically did not benefit the average American. So mm. I voted against it. That's what Manchin said. And he continued to say, I think there are some adjustments that need to be made. Adjustments? So, yeah. Just a, just a, look, can we just tweak this? Mm. We're just going to tweak this. Mm. Manchin made his remarks after voting to advance Democrats sweeping election overhaul bill and maintaining his support for the filibuster. <sighs> a budget reconciliation bill is a rare way for his party to bypass Republicans without abolishing a 60 vote rule. So the West Virginia Democrat expressed some resistance to the $6 trillion price tag floated by Senate budget chair, Bernie Sanders of Vermont, calling it a big number. Mm-hmm. Said now the size of the bill or what's going to be done, the scope of that, we've got to find out. So always questions, always caveats. Yeah. I can just see Manchin be like, it's not the size of the bill. It's the motion in the, like, shut up, (laughs) shut up and just vote for it. Okay. This week, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley and the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin testified Wednesday, actually, before the House Armed Services Committee. During the hearing, Rep. Michael Waltz, a Florida Republican and total douchebag, said the U.S. Military Academy at West Point offers instruction in critical race theory. No, it doesn't. And on, quote, understanding whiteness and white rage, unquote. Waltz called these offerings at West Point destructive, and he demanded the Pentagon leaders get to the bottom of what's going on. He's white, by the way. In an extraordinary response, General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, took direct aim at the accusations by Waltz and similar separate comments from earlier by Rep. Matt Gates. I want to play this clip for you, and I want you to remember Mark Milley is conservative as fuck. So let's listen. I wanted to give you the opportunity to maybe share with us more specificity regarding the definitions that seem to be a challenge when Ms. Hartzler was asking questions. How should the Department of Defense think about critical race theory? Could I make a comment, uh, Secretary? I'm sorry. Well, I, I'm very limited on my time, General Milley. Well, I, I just want to make a comment. The, the well, I know, but I've, 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 I've asked the question to Secretary Austin. I, I don't know what the, what the issue of critical race theory is and what the relevance here uh, in with the department we do not teach critical race theory. We don't, we don't embrace 
uh, critical race theory, and I think I think that's a spurious uh, uh, conversation. And so we are focused on extremist behaviors, and and not uh, not ideology, not not uh, not people's thoughts, not people's uh, uh, political orientation. Behaviors is what we're focused on. I would like to yield some of my time to General Milley because I know that he had some comments that he wanted to make when Representative Gates was talking, as well as Mr. Waltz, about a similar subject of the stand-down and race theory. Would you like a minute or so to comment on that? Do you remember what we were, what your line of questioning or thought was there? Um, sure. Um, first of all, on the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America. What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong? with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a Civil War and Emancipation Proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know, and I respect your service, and you and I are both Green Berets, but I want to know, and it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military, and I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. But he told him. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite parts was that the other rep was like, um, Mark Milley, you know, obviously didn't call him that. It felt to me like you might have some other things you'd like to say. Can I give you some of my time? Pitch the softball. It sounds to me like you might have some of that white rage Waltz oh, was talking my. about. Can you, can you? And we're going to see it come out now. <laughs> could you unleash your white rage for us? I general? mean, the fucking eye roll from Matt Gates. He's such a douche nozzle. I know. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. Because, you you know, you only heard the clip. But while Millie was talking, they panned back to Mark, to Matt Gates and his eight foot tall hair. And, and he was like shaking his head and rolling his eyes while the fucking general yeah. chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is speaking. What a douche. And all I could picture like in a reverse thing, but the same thing was like, you know, in A Few, a few Good Men where he's like ripping into Tom um uh -huh. cruise at the end and mm. just like how dare you you little pipsqueak like even though it didn't have the same you're damn right i ordered the code red it was very much like this general you're talking damn to right this, yeah you're damn right i want west point people to understand racism and the history in this country and what white rage i want to know what it is come on what the That's fuck exactly was, what it felt like yeah. so you can't handle the truth <laughs> and then matt gates cried okay Gotta um so. now 
in the video that the Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib, and I think it's Nassib. I said Nassib before, but I think it's Nassib um, when it pronounced correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, he posted on Monday, and I hope a lot of you have seen this. And he posted to come out as gay. He said in this video that he was going to donate $100,000 to the Trevor Project to help fund suicide prevention programs. So if you don't know what the Trevor Project is, it is a national organization that does so much work to keep our LGBTQ youth safe. Mm. Now, AG, this is what surprised me of the story. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, he responded to that video with a statement saying the league is, quote, proud of Carl for courageously sharing his truth today. And that was on Tuesday. The league announced that it was going to match his donation. I was like, what? (laughs) And this is a quote. The NFL is supporting Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib by matching his donation with $100,000 contributions to the Trevor Project. As I said, and they continue, the leading organization focused on crisis and suicide prevention efforts among lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth. The statement said, this is the NFL. I can't believe the NFL put that in a sentence. All of those words. And they didn't even say transgenders. Like they actually used the right word. Yeah, or transgendered, right? They, they, They did it. They did it. They did it. And the quote continues, the NFL is committed to year-long efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. We proudly support the LGBTQ plus community and will continue to work alongside the Trevor Project and our other community partners to further enhance our collective work and commitment to this space. And what I will say is aside, not that I'm poo-pooing on this, if you could also address the homophobia that's going on in the locker room while you do that, that would be fantastic. So... So NASA has received messages of support from many others inside and outside of the league. And Fanatics said on Tuesday, this is awesome. His jersey has been their top selling jersey since his announcement. (laughs) Do you understand, everyone, the lives that were saved because an active NFL player came out as gay. I was laughing because CNN screwed up one of their cryons and it was like, uh, Carl Nassib comes out as actively gay. And we were like, nope. (laughs) I mean, he's probably actively gay, but I think you mean he's an active NFL player and he's gay. Actively gay. He's actively gay. Yep. Oh, NFL. Oh, Chirons. Uh, That'd be an interesting job, right? Chiron writer. That would be fantastic. I mean, I guess it's easier for the NFL to support uh, the LGBTQ community than it is to talk about sexual assault. But let's not end this with a bad note. No, no, no. There are many things to fix in the NFL, but that statement was amazing. $100,000. Yep. You know what? A million would be nice, but that is a good place to start. And it was a great statement. Whoever made the statement for the NFL, I think, did it perfectly. Yeah, they had someone help. I'm, I'm oh, for sure. For sure. That's not Goodell. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but But not. that he put his name on it is amazing. I appreciate it. Exactly. All right, everybody, we'll be right back with the host of the Swing Left podcast called How We Win, Steve Pearson. And we have a big announcement. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison. Thanks for listening to The Daily Beans. Today's episode is presented by Titan. If any lovely listeners have tried to get into the investment game, you know that Wall Street pretty much ignores everyday investors and caters only to the ultra-rich. For way too long, the average investor has been neglected, left out in the cold. We get the same old generic advice like buy index funds. Meanwhile, the ultra-wealthy get access to premium investment strategies and white glove service. This divide didn't sit well with the creators of Titan, who've introduced a world-class investment manager for the rest of us. Thanks to Titan, everyday investors can have their capital invested like a premier investment firm, all through the Titan mobile app. 
Titan's goal is to give you access to the best investment experience in the world, but without the high minimums, without the lockups, and without the performance fees. Their in-house investment team invests your capital using their award-winning strategies, and they deliver daily research updates via the Titan app. Titan aims to grow your capital over the long term by identifying compounding stocks and holding on to them tight. And with Titan, it's like having an elite investment manager in your pocket. And they explain everything. They don't just expertly invest your capital. They, they tell you about it and why. By giving their clients courtside seats, they become the smartest investors they've ever been. Titan manages hundreds of millions of dollars for over 25,000 investors and counting. And it was named the 2020 Top Investment App of the Year by U.S. News. So if you're thinking about investing, I highly recommend you check out Titan. To get started, just download the Titan app. Start investing with Titan today and get three months with zero fees. Visit titanvest.com slash dailybeans. That's three months with zero fees at titanvest, T-I-T-A-N-V-E-S-T dot com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm excited to be here today with host of the Swing Left How We Win podcast, activist, community organizer, and trainer, Steve Pearson. Hello, Steve. Hello, Allison. So happy to be here. I am happy to have you, and I have a, <laughs> a big announcement to make. Uh, I'm proud to announce that the How Breaking We Win news. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Ships at Sea, Ships at Sea. <laughs> <laughs> Your podcast, How We Win, with, which is uh, part of Swing Left, has joined the MSW Media Podcast Group. And I'm, I'm so excited about that. And I was hoping I want to talk about your podcast. But first, I want to talk about Swing Left because we've partnered in the past quite a bit as part of the Mueller She Wrote podcast with Swing Left leading up to the 2018 uh, midterm elections and and again in 2020. So tell us a little bit about, I'm, I, I'm sure our listeners are familiar, but tell us about Swing Left. Well, first of all, thank you and your listeners for the support that you've given Swing Left over the years. Um, I got involved with Swing Left as a volunteer. So I, I jumped in right after Trump was elected, like a lot of people did, <laughs> because um, my wife was buried under the covers, uh, literally shaking, and my uh, teenage daughter uh, didn't know what her future was going to be like. So um, I had to do something. And I found Swing Left, which was really empowering because uh, they gave a lot of people who hadn't necessarily organized around politics ways to really make a tangible impact on our on our government. Um, so it's it started with the midterms. Um, and then uh, we took Remember that? Remember the midterms when we won the House back? Yeah, it, the actual blue tsunami, despite what James Carville was saying on television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we had a, a big blue tsunami, uh, just incredible volunteer engagement that we hadn't seen before. And uh, and then we did even better for the presidential year election where we uh Put Biden in the White House. We actually won the majority in the Senate, although I know it doesn't always feel like we have the majority in the Senate. We, we really do. Um, um, there's a lot we were able to do, even though we're frustrated by the things that we can't do right now. Um, and we held on to that House majority. And it's important, especially with all this going on in the Senate and the focus there right now. I'm digressing, but for people to remember the incredible work we did uh, overcoming a global pandemic to create the biggest turnout for an election um, in history, really. Um, so uh, Swing Left was focused on the White House, 
on the Senate and on some local legislatures that uh, have an effect on gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we've always been really good at is taking people who don't really know what to do or where they should focus uh, their attention, uh, who probably live in really blue, blue areas and pointing them where they can make the biggest impact, be it with their volunteer time or with their dough or however they want to engage. Um, so we like to work in close elections. We like to work on on the races where every dollar and every bit of every phone call you make, every letter you write, um, every thankfully, hopefully soon door that you knock uh, is going to have a really big impact, right? So that's that's what Swing Left has done. That's our model. And I'm really excited about where we're heading now because um, I, I can't give away all the details because we have our big um, uh, resistance to persistence call happening tonight. Um, and we're going to be breaking our 10-year plan out on, on how we're going to engage in the next 10 years. But I couldn't be more excited about it because I think uh, you and your listeners probably appreciate the work that uh, organizers on the ground in Georgia, Stacey Abrams of the world in Texas and Virginia have been doing over the last decade. And that's what it takes to really uh, build up and secure uh, these wins and secure our democracy is a decade long plan, not just jumping in election cycle to election cycle. So that's what we're we're doing next. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And that Senate majority, even though, like you said, it sometimes doesn't feel like it is very important because there's I, we weren't going to get 60 seats. Uh, right. and, and so we the majority was the goal and we and we got it. And so I know that a lot of people are you know upset that there's many, many bills that we are unable to pass because we can't get rid of the filibuster. And then we've got a couple of Democrats who refuse to touch the filibuster. That, you know, we probably can, more, probably more than a couple. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But we continue to put pressure on them or even you just reform the filibuster. Uh, but that's not going to do anything either, I don't think. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about people I feel seem to get fatigued when they continue to hear that this is the most important election. Uh, <laughs> but they do continue to to have that sort of timbre to them. 2018 was excruciatingly important. 2020, definitely the most important election of our lifetimes. Now, talk about the importance of 2022. And I'm, I know that you haven't, you can't reveal too much because your 10-year plan is coming out, but can you maybe impart upon people, not necessarily the listeners of this program need to hear it, but why 2022 is so important and, and, and if it's more important than 2020? Yeah, I agree. It's it's almost a running joke that every campaign says this is the most important election of your lifetime and the midterms. It really was the most important election. And then uh, our presidential year, of course, was. Um, But now, you know, it's hard not to see, as you said, your listeners know this already. It's hard not to see how important these elections are when you have a Republican Party that has abandoned all semblance of a platform and is uh, purely focused on voter suppression. Um, they're not looking out for people, they're looking out for power and, um, and at any cost. And so, um, it's, it's really, uh, horrific to see what's happening in these local legislatures, which is why investing in these local elections and investing in these local legislatures, um, are really, really important. Um, and, I know you you asked about 2022. Uh, We do have an election coming up at the end of this year in Virginia, which is our bellwether and and our first referendum on the Biden-Harris administration uh, that is going to be really important. And also 
if you look at the trifecta we've held in Virginia, a tenuous one uh, over the last two years and all of the incredible legislation that they've been able to pass there, um, they're actually strengthening voting rights instead of trying to suppress the vote. Um, it's refreshing to see that kind of action from a legislature. So um, we need to make sure that we we keep working in these local races. Um, and uh, and I'll say also, we've we've seen so much new research that, that has come out about uh, engaging with local races and what that does up the ballot. Right. And mm, um, yeah. the reverse coattails theory. And and it really, really works, you know, because people will show up for the big ones and not necessarily vote down ballot. But if you get people, your listeners, volunteers, everyone involved in these local legislatures, they will vote up ballot, too. Yeah. So. So we're, you know, we're frankly, to, to the short answer to your question for about 2022, we are in a fight for our very democracy. Um, we are facing voter suppression, as you said. Um, it looks very, very unlikely we will be able to reform the filibuster and uh, and pass these the voting rights legislation. So we have a very daunting and difficult task to win these elections where you have these legislatures that are making it harder for people. And when I say people, I mean specifically black and brown people to show up and vote. So that means we win these elections when we show up, Mm -hmm. when we volunteer, when we get out there on the ground, make phone calls, reach out to voters, let them know how they can vote because they still can. They're not, um, there's not a poll tax. They don't have to count jelly beans. It's a lot harder for them to show up and vote, but they still have that franchise right to vote as a citizen. Uh, they're just going to require a lot more information from us and a lot more help to make sure they show up. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of education. And and I think that the message uh, from from here on out is uh, every election from now until forever is going to be the most important election of our lives. And because democracy is a participation activity. That's right. We we aren't going to hit an election and then we get to get up and walk away from the table and be like, we did it. It's over. We can rest for the rest of the time. That's that's how we ended up with what happened in 2016. And so I think that that's kind of the message going forward. And uh, I, I also wanted to ask uh, about what sort of strategies that we were forced to employ during COVID, for example, not knocking doors, doing text banking, right. phone banking, postcard writing, et cetera. Uh, I think there were a lot of extremely successful strategies that we learned during COVID. Are, are we going to be taking those forward into the future as we also get out and knock doors and do things that, that we could do before? I think you know, there's a lot of, you know, strategies left over from from COVID that I think we we want to bring forward with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we learned a lot. You know, we had our traditional model. We were all geared up to, you know, get our groups out into these you know important states and go knock on doors and do all that. And and of course, a lot of Republicans still did that. Um, and and we uh, actually respect human life, even though they say they respect the sanctity of human life. We actually uh, do. So um, so we did not. Uh, a lot of relational organizing that we did, um, which is, uh, you know, reaching out to friends, not necessarily from voter rolls, but reaching out to friends and family members and engaging uh, with them, getting them to engage uh, with their further networks has proven very, very effective. Something called vote tripling, 
which uh, we started employing uh, even with our phone banks to ask uh, people if they voted already or if they're going to vote to bring three friends to the polls with them or to remind three friends to vote. That has been very effective. Um, letter writing, which people can do from anywhere um, and send letters to these important voters, uh, has been very effective. We've been able to do a lot of testing uh, that campaigns don't typically get to do on, you know, with with stuff like campaigns just have to go to the the uh, universe that they think is going to win them the campaign. Right. But because we got started organizing and doing this so early, we were able to send to one group and not send to another group and look at the efficacy and see how it how it works. And we found that the letter writing actually really, really works. And it's an easy thing for people to do from their own home, obviously. So it's going to be all of that. We're going to keep using the digital organizing tools that we develop because they're effective. But um, we're also, of course, going to go out and knock on doors and meet people where they are and have face-to-face conversations because that is so important, so effective. And the other thing that I'll say is... Um, we had these massive phone banks for the presidential election. And I, I was working as a uh, training director for Swing Left during that. So I got to do these, you know, thousands and thousands of people on these phone banks calling into Florida and Georgia and Texas and North Carolina. And uh, it was really great. It got people really excited. But what it missed out on was cramming people into a campaign office and feeling that energy together and getting excited and hearing from the candidate or a surrogate and then going out there and doing the work together. Mm-hmm. That sense of community is so infectious. And you talk about the importance of being a citizen and working in, working in this work year round. That's our job as citizens is to engage uh, with our government and engage in this work. It is such a joy to do this work when you jump in and start meeting this community of activists that are doing it. And we missed that. We missed a whole bunch of people who made phone calls, maybe for the first time because Trump was on the ballot and we had to get rid of them. But they didn't catch that that special sauce that you get from those rooms. So I really hope people will stay engaged. And now that we're coming out, jump into a campaign office and and meet the people there because they're they're the best of us. They really are. Yeah, we learned that in 2018 um, for yep. reals. And and I, I feel like now that we've got that we have our old fashioned way and we were thrown into forcing <laughs> to learn new strategies. We've got this newfangled stuff. And I think the old timey tw- stuff and the newfangled stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the before times <laughs> and the after times stuff. And and I think in 2022, we're going to have both because, you know, your COVID gave us that opportunity, like you said, to test out these other strategies that we otherwise wouldn't have had time to do. And so now I think that that's I think that's really going to help us out. And, and I think it's going to make a, a huge impact. And um, I, I have some more questions for you about your 10 year plan. I know you can't reveal too much. And I know the call is tonight. And I also want to talk about the podcast, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's Allison, and this Helping the Beans is brought to you by my favorite snack, Magic Spoon. If you've ever fought a sibling for the last bowl of your favorite cereal or as an adult had a heated debate over what cereal was the best when you were a kid, Magic Spoon is for you. Cereal was always my favorite food growing up. I used to sit down in front of Sesame Street, eat a whole bowl, drink the milk, but I had to give it up as an adult because of all the chemicals and junk and sugar. But I'm so glad I found Magic Spoon. It tastes exactly like the cereal from your childhood, but it is super nutritious. Magic Spoon magically has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, only four net grams of carbs, and 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free, and you can build your own box. Available flavors to build your custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, and cinnamon, and my personal favorite, peanut butter. 
I love the great new flavors. Combining them is amazing, too. You put cocoa with peanut butter, it tastes like peanut butter cup cereal. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is now good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our code at checkout. And they're so confident, Magic Spoon. They're so confident in their product. And I am, too. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they refund all your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans to save $5 off. And thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring the show. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking to the host of the Swing Left How We Win podcast, Steve Pearson. And Steve, before the break, uh, you had mentioned a little bit earlier in the segment that you have a phone call tonight to discuss and unveil your 10-year plan. And my the mm-hmm. first thing that popped into my head is the importance of it being a 10-year plan and not a two-year plan or a six-year plan. Can you tell us why a 10-year plan and why that is so important? Well, the short answer to that, and as you can tell already, I'm terrible at short answers, but the short answer (laughs) Yeah, you can just say the answer to that and just go on. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. The answer to that is, um, uh, first of all, um, gerrymandering and and the census. Um, So... Uh, we worked really hard to try to get the Democratic majority in some key legislatures so that um, after this census, um, they would draw fair lines. And we fell short in some of those areas. We did great. We did great work. Um, I think that uh, the coronavirus and not being able to organize on the ground there, as we talked about earlier, probably had an impact. Um, But uh, when we talk about a 10-year plan, we need to be looking ahead to uh, the census in 2030. Right. Um, And making sure that we're able to draw fair lines. Um, And when you look at the success that uh, I mentioned, Stacey Abrams, she's, you know, the glaring, amazing example of what a 10 year plus plan in organizing can do. We've also seen it with the work we've done in Virginia. Why it's yeah, so a lot of people mistakenly think that she just sort of popped on the scene and, you know, just arrived, you know, iron in full, you know, regalia from the, the, <laughs> right. the foamy head of I am, Zeus. No. I am here <laughs> to liberate the good people of Georgia. No, no, she <laughs> she was working on the ground there, building up the infrastructure and the scaffolding for organizing for years and years and years. And when we as volunteers, who are outside of that can plug in and support those organizations that are on the ground um, that are working year round, not, as you said, just before elections. That's where we can really build our power and sustain power. So um, we're looking at that. We're looking at uh, gubernatorial races for the first time. Swing Left has never been involved in those, but it's very important, especially with some key ones where um, that Democratic governor might be the only thing pushing back against a Republican legislature. Uh, it's Those are really, really important seats to pay attention to. Yeah, vetoing to. Those, uh, anti, or those voter suppression bills, for example. Yeah, exactly. I believe, um, where is it I just heard today um, that... There's a uh, legislature, Republican legislature, trying to outlaw birth control some yeah. somewhere. I think in Wyoming. I think it was Wyoming. So, uh, so there you go. I don't. I don't think Wyoming. We're going to get a you know Democratic governor anytime soon. But likely you know, not. Um, but it's a good. These are good goals to have, and it, it is an important check and balance on 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 some of the things that these Republican state legislatures do. Absolutely. Um, and, and and that also kind of makes it easier to win. You know, a lot of people like to have someone at the top. Uh, be of, of a different party than the legislature, whether it's a governor or a president. 
Uh, a lot of folks do that. That's that's generally why we lose the first midterm after winning <laughs> a presidential election is because right. people want to balance that out. We can use it to our advantage in some of these gubernatorial races. It's a great point. But yeah, that 10 year plan, uh, you know, talking, you know, talking about the great example of the incredible Stacey Abrams. Uh, I, I think a lot of folks, I, I think it's in response to this long con that the Republicans have been engaging in with gerrymandering, for example, right. f- for the past 20 years. And, and they've been planning it. It's and, and, and of course, the courts, this this has been there. You know, they have mm-hmm. a long game. So we need to counter with a long game. We can't keep being reactive to their shitty politics. That's exactly right. And they are so good at building their bench and investing in these uh, local legislatures. And, and you know, uh, that's where they have really taken over and taken over uh, power. So we got to push back against that. You know, again, every election right now is the most important election of our lives because we are fighting for our very democracy uh, against people who uh, don't want us to live in a democracy. Um, so, uh yeah, it's it's exciting to me that we're looking long term and not just election to election. But, you know, the usual suspects will be on the list of, of targets, too. Like, you know, we have to hold on and expand our majorities in Congress. There's going to be a lot of uh, really important races to work on for the midterms in 2022. Um, the Senate, of course, be great to pick up a couple of more seats there in the Senate. <laughs> yeah, because don't think for one second if, if Mitch McConnell gets that you know, majority back in the Senate that he's not going to eliminate the filibuster. Don't think that for one oh my God. effing second. We, <laughs> I mean, he's that's that's his that, you know, that's their game. Yeah, we know how horribly craven Mitch McConnell is. And um, I, I shudder to think of handing the, the gavel the back, to him. back to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it's as difficult as it is and frustrating as it is to watch uh, a minority of Republicans blocking, you know, hugely popular legislation. Um, if we didn't have the gavel away from Mitch McConnell right now, um, then uh, we would be in a much, much worse place than we are. Yeah, 100 percent. Uh, let's talk about the podcast, How We Win. Uh, what what uh, prompted you to start that? Tell me about your co-host. Tell me about your thing. Tell us tell us about it because we're going to Yeah, of it. course. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked about Mariah, who's uh, my awesome co-host. And, um, and sh- she wanted to be here for this interview, too. And, you know... Frankly, I don't know where her priorities are. She's uh, she works for the National Foster Youth Institute. So she had a a meeting with them to plan for member of Congress meetings and stuff like that. So um, but we're both organizers (laughs) and um, and and I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to tell regular people's stories and politicians and celebrities about how they got involved in activism how they got involved volunteering, what did it feel like to dip their toe in that volunteering pool for the first time. Um, As I mentioned, I started out as a volunteer. I didn't realize the impact that you can really have when you step out of your comfort zone a little bit and engage, as we said, in this work of being a citizen. And it was really empowering, exciting to me when I found this community and when I found that we can really make a difference. So I wanted to convey that to other people. I wanted to tell these stories. Uh, we do talk about the news. I'm thrilled to be with MSW Media uh, because you all do such a great, uh, great job of breaking down the news and 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 talking about you know the things that we really need to be paying attention to. I like to say we're not the news; we're what you can do about it. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So we always have a call to action every single week. We're giving people direction on on what they need to be doing, where they can make an impact. And then we want to give people hope. So we always talk about what what our reasons for hope are and um, and what we see in the near future. So uh, it's been great. Uh, I've absolutely loved doing it. Um, we've been able to motivate a lot of people to get into action. And that is the goal. We want people to get inspired and then go out and do some shit. Yeah. And that hope part is really important because the other side and perhaps some foreign adversaries may or may not remain nameless. They spend millions and millions of dollars to make you feel tired and disillusioned with the entire system. And so that's why I think that's so important to to have that foundation of hope and build on it, Um, especially with our young voters. Oh, they just they fill me with so much just hope for the future. I I remember Mm. when Obama did his first podcast, I think it was with Podsafe after uh, 2016, after the election results in 2016. And and he I mean, we were obviously all very down, uh, but he had this message of hope because of all these young future voters and future activists and future community organizers that we're going to that at, and are now washing yeah. over this country like a just a wave of change and, and hope. And I thought that that was just such a an inspiring message. And it's kind of what I keep at the back of my mind every time I read a fucking news story and it makes me want to rip my <laughs> hair out. <laughs> right. I'm like, hey, 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 it's going to be OK. It's going to be OK. We just have to stay engaged. And I think what's great about the communities that we work with, Steve, is that if you need to take a break, take one and we will hold that baton for you and mm. you come back when you're ready. And I think another great thing about what we learned over COVID is that some people who don't who aren't able to because of disabilities get involved in, you know, in that in that level can do things like text banking and and, right. and stay in their comfort zone and do things like writing postcards. And there's just so many more options for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. I always want people to go a little bit outside their comfort zone. <laughs> just tr- just try it. Just try it. Like not for you. Fine. But give it a shot. Make some phone calls. Like I hate calling people. I don't want to talk to people. I'm enjoying talking to you very, very much. <laughs> but other than that, not so much, you know, but uh, just try it. And there's something for everyone, you know. Um, so like you said, text banking is great. The letter writing is really effective. And also, uh, let me just say, I, I really wish uh, Whitney Houston hadn't had that hit song because uh, it just sounds so cliche, but the children really are our future. <laughs> and every time we talk about the kids, I think about that song and it makes me feel cheesy. But um, I always it, think of uh, <laughs> I always think of coming to America and sexual chocolate when when sexual chocolate <laughs> covers that. I believe it's shit in our future. Like, he's good. He's sexual good. chocolate. Sexual chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Any band is not worth its salt unless they scream out the name of the band after each song yeah yes yes and the wrong city uh where <laughs> right. but anyway, uh i really but yes, the, the kids are the best they are the children are <laughs> the future but i do i really uh appreciate your time today and i'm looking forward to working with you you know we're going to be going out on the road i'm looking forward to partnering with swing left and i think it's going to be uh, 2022 is going to be an incredible year for for activism, for elections and, and for involvement. And uh, I really appreciate you coming. If you have any uh, if you want to find the uh, How We Win podcast, you can get it, I assume, wherever you find your podcasts. You can also check it yep. out on MSWmedia.com with uh, all the rest of our lineup. And uh, I'm so happy to have you aboard. Yeah. And let me just say, sign up for our call tonight. Uh, just go to swingleft.org. You'll find the link to join uh, our 
uh, resistance to persistence call, which I love that, by the way. And you is know, that is that tonight, uh, Thursday night? Yes. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. At what time does it start? Oh, good question. Um, or where can they get information? Well, they can go straight to swingleft.org um, and uh, it starts at five o'clock Pacific time. Awesome. Everybody hear that? There's your call to action. <laughs> there we go. And Check sign up for out. Swing Left if you haven't signed up yet. We have the best. I know you get lots of emails. Ours are the best. They we are. Have the best I have signed up and they are they are my <laughs> favorites. I appreciate I appreciate yeah. the calls to action. I really do. I have tangible things that I can do that just take a minute sometimes uh, right. that, that make a huge difference. Thank you, Allison. Yeah, I appreciate your time, everybody. Steve Pearson, check out the How We Win podcast. Check out swingleft.org. And uh, everybody stick around. We'll be back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's friend AG for the beans. And uh, this one is for the wine lovers out there like me. I love a good glass of wine or three at the end of a long day, but I wouldn't call myself an expert or a sommelier just yet. Shopping for wine is less relaxing than drinking it. Uh, And trying to pick the perfect bottle can kind of be, there's so many choices, you're almost overwhelmed. I mean, even standing there in the wine aisle, somebody who doesn't know your taste is there to try to help you out. It just gets really weird. But thankfully, there's First Leaf. This is a better way to discover wine at a fraction of the price you'd find in the store. It's a fully customizable wine club that sends curated boxes of wine perfect for you and your taste. And they have more award-winning wine than anyone else. With First Leaf, there's no guesswork, no misguided recommendations from those employees, and no frustration on your part. Each wine shipment is customized entirely to your unique palate and preferences. Unlike big box wine memberships, First Leaf uses one-of-a-kind algorithms and your feedback to curate future wine recommendations. The more wines you taste and review, the better the shipments get. I love their system of rating the different wines. I give specific preferences based on personal taste, and each shipment has improved ever since. I dial exactly in what I like the most. And the great thing, First Leaf works directly with the winemakers, the best ones in the world. Uh, and they pass the savings on to you. No middleman. 60% off retail. I love the convenience. Uh, it's exciting doing the unboxings and the tastings. And I like how flexible their subscription system is. It's up to me the wines I get, when I get them, and how often I get them. Uh, you know, I prefer dry reds usually, Shiraz, Syrah, uh, Pinot Noir, but sometimes I go for a mix, a variety. You know, I'll try them all back, whatever. I'm crazy. But I've got a few favorites, and I, I highly recommend trying out First Leaf. You save time and money and stress. It's the wine club designed with you in mind. So join today, and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dailybeans. That's six bottles of wine for just $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash dailybeans. And while you're sipping on your wine, why not visit amazing places in the world? Context Travel is sponsoring today's episode of The Beans, and I absolutely am in love with Context Travel. I'm so excited that travel is opening up again, and if you're like me, you're already planning your next trip. But you have to try out Context first. I'm already learning about the destinations I plan to visit. It's like getting an insider tour of the go-to places before you even get on a plane. They have live expert-led courses and virtual tours from around the globe. You can visit 60 cities across six continents featuring the world's cultural and historical capitals. I'm so pumped for this. The last time I got a chance to travel, I learned so much. I learned so much about my family of origin and went to all the museums, so many art, so much culture. And the best part about context is you skip the line. On any given day, you can uncover ancient Rome with an archaeologist or go behind the velvet rope at the Louvre with an art expert or walk the streets of St. Petersburg with a local guide, all from home. There's a variety of tour destinations from half-day to seven-day tours, and you can check out their website for testimonials like this one from Susan in Los Angeles who said, This tour was like a walking TED Talk, massively informative and entertaining. Can't wait to recommend it. So, Daily Beans listeners, if you love travel and learning as much as I do, you're going to love this because for a limited time when you buy one virtual tour, you get a second tour free when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at contextlearning.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-X-T learning.com. 
And again, use that promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. Just go to contextlearning.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. Okay, good news Thursday. Uh, if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, misheard lyrics, shared swears, find the cat, happy places, what the mutt, town twisters, limericks, anything. How, how dumb is Louis Gomert? That's a fun one. You can send it to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact, and we will read it on the air, uh, provided it's you know reasonable. Now, this first... <laughs> yeah, I love this dog. Our baby's back. <laughs> Chewy Chubalius. Uh, Lisa, pronoun she and her, wrote back with, a, with you know, this, this, pup, this pupper that was on yesterday, but we didn't have the mix, uh, the breed answers. And, it, 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 and this puppy, he's part schnauzer, so we were right there. And the other part is Pekingese. And I always miss that. And I owned a Pekingese for the longest time. I can't believe it. But you didn't own this one. So cute. Ugh, everyone should own this one. Okay. It's so adorable. And then we have a correction from Terry. Congratulations on beginning your media empire. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's a simple correction. Kentanji Brown Jackson's first name only has one N. Oh, Katanji Brown. Oh, I heard her name pronounced as Kentanji in two separate episodes. I think it's important to get that one fixed. You are right. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Hopefully we'll be hearing that name a lot more as a future Supreme Court justice, Judge Jackson. I appreciate all the work that you've put into this venture and look forward to many more years of great podcasts. Thank you so much for that correction. Absolutely. And doing it so lovingly. This one's from Bob, pronouncing him. Hi, Beans Queens. Just a quick note to say thank you so much for the daily infusion of humor and sanity in this bizarre moment we're all living through. <laughs> I like that Bob called it a moment. Part of our, You are all in a very important part of our daily good news. Now, it's hard to overstate how helpful it is to have Daily Beans and the other MSW shows as part of the routine. Keep up the great work. Listening to the schadenfreude piece in Tuesday's episode delivered brilliantly by Dana, this submission occurred to me for the Louis Gomer is dumb game. Louis Gomer is dumber than Mike Lindell. <laughs> Perhaps not elegant, but timely at least and uh, redolent of brutal truth. Mm. Filing for pet tax, here's Daisy, my 10-year-old yellow Labrador retriever. Several photos submitted for your enjoyment, including a photo when she was a four-month-old puppy and enjoying some time at the beach. On behalf of all your listeners, thank you again so very much for the brilliant blend of comedy and news. If our democracy survives, it's because of you and lots of folks like you. Oh, thank you so Don't much. puppy. What a beauty. Thank you. Thank you for that submission. I love the Louis Gomer. Mike Lindell. <laughs> He's as dumb as a my pillow. All right, Jay, pronouns he and him. Hi, ladies. I love the guest the town name and living here in the UK, you really find out how the English language really does not make sense. However, the struggle gets real when you go to the other UK countries. I love Wales and fully recommend visiting. But if you ever head to the Isle of mm, Anglesey, there's I'm a. Ta- so glad you got this one. Oh no! <laughs> there's oh, a town no. with it. I thought Anglesey was the no. <laughs> there is. Looks t- like some cat ran across a keyboard. <laughs> a town with the longest name. Thought you would love to give it a go. <clears throat> 
Lan Ferp, Wilguini, Lagogory, Chewy, Dronbull, Ansi, Silio, Go, Go, Goak. Let me try that again. Lan Fair, Wilguingi, Lagogory, Lagwinli, Lagogory, Chewy, Rendrobe, Lanty, Silio, Go, Go, Go. Go, Someone's go, gotcha. gonna think they accidentally put the podcast on like point, <laughs> f- like point two or whenever yeah, you slow yeah. it way down. All right, everybody, slow down your players to half speed. I'm gonna do it one more time. Lanfair Pawilgany, Lagagokery, Chilwinda Drabalancy, Cilia Gogagok. Oh, pronounced Lanvire Poolguin, Gilgogurun Queen Drabaland, Silly Gogagoch. Okay. Which means the Church of St. Mary of the Pool with the White Hazels near the fierce whirlpool, Lanticilio of the Red Cave. (laughs) A largely marketing gimmick, as I understand, to get visitors by train. (laughs) The train ride is shorter than the town name. Also, Wanted to recommend a TV show if you haven't seen it, Mrs. Brown's Boys. Binge all 38 episodes available over the last couple of weeks. It's one of those shows that made me laugh so hard I had to leave the room. If you ever wanted to see an actor playing a 70s granny with a potty mouth and take LSD unknowingly, this is the show for you. <laughs> Fantastic. For Pet Tax, here's a picture of Willa's babies. Mouse, who unfortunately escaped his garden and went into a horse paddock. He was injured, but luckily he was mostly okay. Poor boy did lose an eye, but his mama says he is well within himself, thankfully. Oh, all well within himself, thankfully. Enjoy a week off. I oh. know you'll be missed. Look at Look at his deed. What is this? A perfect one-eyed dog. That's what oh, that is. Oh, my God. Look at a his perfect feet. Dog. Look at his little, look at his little, and the one foot is out to the side, like, mm-hmm. Yep. Just throwing a knee. Just throwing a knee. Oh, so cute. All right. Thank you so much for that and for torturing my co-host. This next one's from Phil, pronouncing in him. Hello, my favorite beans. I want to give you an update that's long overdue. I wrote into rant at all of uh, all of you all back in the winter. This fucking year, I honestly don't know how, what month it is, uh, but I will jog your memory. I was the nurse that was working ICU shifts for COVID and then going to the grocery to find dumbasses not wearing masks. Ah, yes, yes. Yes. I don't remember what month that was either, Phil, but yeah, I remember. It was a, yes. Uh, Well, I have some great news. I just finished my last pickup ICU shift and can go back to my passion of home care. Hmm. Now this is going to sound like bad news, but stay with me. I lost some previous home care job due to my extended need to help dying people. <laughs> LOL. Those dicks don't know what they lost. Uh, but it turns out that it is great news because I got a new home care job working almost exclusively with VA patients. I'm so excited due to my own health issues. I was never able to enlist, but now I get to give back to a community that so many of my family have had the honor of being a part of. And I'm so amazingly excited. Thank you for all you do and putting up with my previous rant for pet tax, find a detached picture. My mom took of my two dogs while I was at work today. Uh, the red butterball is Razzy, my long haired dachshund and the little black fur ball next to her is Tucker, the papillon. Papillon. <laughs> See, it's the pronunciation. Papillon. Um, also, what town does the Papillon live in? <laughs> in Papillion. Um, also, I'm not too. I'm not too witty, so I will just say Louis, Louis Gomer is dumb. <laughs> Look at this. They're so cute. Oh, give me a tea. 
T. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Here we have uh, we have Razzie and Tucker demonstrating what perpendicular means. Now, yep. Phil, congratulations. You're going to love working with VA patients. Uh, they're so wonderful. There's some that aren't so wonderful. I have a lot of experience working with the veterans. And but they are they have the best senses of humor. They're so funny and their stories are incredible. Dana, I remember there was one guy who used to come into our clinic all the time for his appointments and he had physical therapy appointments. Uh, and he had he was a, a double amputee. So but he had lost both of his arms in the war. But he had this shirt. <laughs> he wore a shirt all the time that said Fission Impossible. And it's the funniest <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> and I would go, nice, high five. Ah. Like we he was so fun and funny and just incredible. Our veterans are amazing That's people. Cute. I agree. You're gonna have such a good time with that job. And and Chinook, because some you know, sometimes they're, you know, with a lot of mental health issues. Um, uh, people can, uh, it can be hard. It can be rough, but uh, you know, it's, it's so worth it. Ah, my turn, right? Your turn and close us out today. Sorry. I was just thinking about all the veterans I've worked with before and I was feeling a little reminiscent. Uh, next up, Josh, finally, this is our last submission, uh, pronouns he and him greetings, ladies of the legume. I'd like to share a limerick about one of America's dumbest representatives. Oh my God. We got a cross game. We got a Louis Gomer limerick. Okay. Oh my God. There once was a man who lacked wit with brain cells worth less than his spit. There's culture in yogurt, but not in Lou Gomert. His <laughs> statements are dumber than shit. <laughs> Josh, that was fantastic. <laughs> For pet tax, we have a sploot photo. Uh, I'm including a photo of my boxer pity mix practicing yoga and one of her reenacting a classic cinematic moment entitled Here's Frisbee. Okay. Nice. Oh, <laughs> I love the sploot. Dana, that's what it's called uh, when your animal, when your pet has the frog legs out, like out in the back like that. Uh-huh. It's a sploot. Sploot. Oh my gosh. Here's, okay, the Frisbee. <gasps> hey, I mean, if you're going to eat it, eat it from the inside out. Right? That's my motto. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what's a I'm, motto? What, what's a motto? What's a motto with, with, with you? Okay. That was a weird crossover with Disney and Okay. Uh yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Pornhub? I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. And that's the show. Um <laughs> I can't believe I'm leaving them with that and I'm not even gonna be back in their ears until July 5th. I'm like, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah, uh this is this is a final final word for a while. Yeah, and I have none other than just, you know, uh, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss the listeners. I I every once in a while I pop onto the behind the beans site and I get to see sweet things said about us and just people just venting about the world, so I'll definitely check in with that while I'm gone, but I'll just be looking forward to being back uh, after you have a lovely and much deserved break, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much, my friend, and I will miss you as well. Uh, and I will miss all of you. And but, you know, I'll actually be back tomorrow. You'll be back tomorrow. And then Sunday for Mueller, she wrote. But then you won't hear from me. But you will because I did all these interviews. You know what? Never mind. Yeah. Forget it. Just let me have my moment. <laughs> Sorry. I, I keep trying. AG will um, be here. She's not leaving you. <laughs> everybody until tomorrow. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. And Louis Gomer is dumb. <laughs> I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. 
The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.